We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. So take your Bibles this morning, turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 1. We're reading one verse of scripture today, that being verse 8. I'm going to leave this vest on until I start sweating so profusely I have to take it off. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. The Bible says these words, and it's recording the last words of Jesus Christ before he ascended into heaven where he sits at the right hand of the Father. You'll remember after his resurrection, he spent 50 days with the disciples, instructing them according to Acts chapter 1 verse 3 in the things of the kingdom of God, teaching them what they needed to know to be successful in the days ahead. And just before he ascended into the heavens, he spoke these words. But you shall receive the power, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses, underline two words there, underline you and underline witnesses. Because this is personal. This is about you and me. It's not just a word to disciples 2,000 years ago. It's a word to us today. You shall be witnesses. It's a personal charge. It's a personal command to you and I today. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and unto the ends of the earth. Father, I pray now that you add your blessing and your anointing to the preaching of the word. And allow each one of us to rise to the command to be a witness to Jesus Christ. Move in this room this morning. Touch hearts. Change lives. In your name I ask it. And in your name I pray. You know, when we think about that word witnesses, we look at it from the Greek, it really means one who has someone who has personal knowledge of something. So let me ask you this morning, are you a witness to Jesus Christ? Has he saved you? Has he forgiven you? Come on, it's okay. This is a Pentecostal church. You can talk back to me. You can raise your hand and wave it at me. You can say, yeah, preacher, that's me. You're not going to bother me. You're not going to offend me. You're not going to put me off. Matter of fact, if you don't, you will offend me. How about that? How many of you are witnesses, someone who has personal knowledge of something to the power, the grace, the mercy, the presence of a living God whose name is Jesus? Are you a witness? Are you a witness? Are you a witness? See, that's what Jesus said. You shall. Do you understand that's a command? It's not a suggestion. He wasn't just saying, if you feel like it, tell somebody about me. He wasn't just saying, if it crosses your mind, tell somebody about me. He was saying, you shall be a witness, someone who has personal knowledge of something. Now listen to me and watch this. Because when we come to Jesus Christ, we move off the sidelines onto the battlefield. We move off the sidelines into a position where God can use us to touch and to change the world. To make a difference in those who don't know him. Do you know why the church is inept and powerless today? Because we shut our mouth. We've been intimidated. We've been told you can't talk about that Jesus stuff out there. 
Well, I've come to challenge you this morning. Jesus didn't say you'll be witnesses in this temple. You'll be witnesses in the synagogue. You'll be witnesses in the prayer meeting. He said, you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and into the uttermost parts of the earth. Oh, come on, church. It's time to open our mouth. It's time to declare. I'm a witness. I have personal knowledge that he died on the cross. He rose again the third day. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. His blood covers me. He forgives me. He changes me. I'm a witness. Will you be a witness? Will you tell someone what Jesus has done for you? Because that's what a witness does. He tells someone what God has done for them. He has personal knowledge of an event. I remember the day I gave my life to Jesus. Do you? If you don't, then probably ought to respond this morning and let him do a work of transformation and redemption in your heart and in your life. Because Christianity and coming to Christ isn't something that just occasionally happens or maybe happens and you don't remember. Oh, I'm here to tell you, when you encounter the man from Galilee, when you encounter the man with scars in his hands, when his power flows through your life, when his blood cleanses you and forgives you, you will never be the same. And you can write it down and remember the date on the calendar. My date's January 21st, 1976. What's your date? When did you come to know him as your Lord and Savior? Oh, well, it was kind of a process. Listen, it may be a process to get you to that point of conversion. But if you can't tell me on this day, at this time, God came into my life and revolutionized me. He took out the old and it brought in the new. Something's wrong in your walk. Love the way you're shouting now. Come on, folks. It's not about when you joined the church. I couldn't care less. It's not about when you were baptized. Some of you have been baptized so many times that tadpoles know your name. That's not what it's about. It's about do you know him? Are you a witness to something, to an event that has occurred in your life? You see, in John chapter 4, we read the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. Jesus had a conversation with her. And at the end of that conversation, it says very clearly in John chapter 4, verse 39, that she went back into the city, the city of Sychar, and told everyone what Jesus had done for her. What was she doing? She was being a witness. Oh, come on. Christianity isn't for the closet. It's to be lived out every day in a powerful demonstration of the grace, the love, and the mercy of Jesus Christ. Will you tell them? Tell them what he's done for you. You can read it, I believe it's in Mark chapter 8. The story of Jesus landing on the shores of Gennesaret. And there was a man who was demonic. He had been a demon-possessed man for many years. Had so many demons in him, his name was Legion. He was naked. He lived in the graveyards. Society tried to tame him, calm him, reform him. But nothing worked. And when he saw Jesus, something happened. Jesus rebuked the demons that were in him, cast them out. And then you can read it in verse 39 of Luke chapter 8. It says, the people of the city saw this man after encountering Jesus clothed in his right mind. Clothed in his right mind. Do you hear what I'm saying? When you meet Jesus, change has to occur. You may walk in a drunk, but you don't walk out that way. 
You may walk in a drug addict, but you don't walk out that way. You may walk in an adulterer, but you don't walk out that way. You may walk in a fornicator, but you don't walk out that way when you meet Jesus. Because his power changes you. Tell them. Tell them what he's done for you. Tell them what he's done in your heart and in your life. The Bible says that he wanted to follow Jesus, this former demonic. He wanted to go with him. And what did Jesus say? He said in verse 39 of Luke chapter 8, No, go back to your home and tell them what great things God has done for you. Oh, come on, folks. It's time to stop keeping secret what God has done for you. If he's saved you, if he's healed you, if he's delivered you, if he's touched you, if he's provided for you, if he's been faithful to you, isn't it time to tell somebody? Tell them what Jesus has done for you. You see, we are witnesses. We are witness to something, to an event. I'm a witness to my own conversion. I look around this room this morning, and I can see people that I can say I'm a witness to God's grace in their life. I see people who God has touched, redeemed, transformed, that brought them into a new place and a new realm in Him. And I can rejoice with you because I am a witness to what He's done in your life as well. Be a witness. Be someone who tells someone what God has done for them. You see, because the Bible says He brought us out of the miry clay. And he set our feet on the rock to stay. The Bible says he brought us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. The Bible says he gave us a new name, a new hope, a new future through Jesus Christ. The Bible says he gives us a destiny, a hope, and a future, which is eternal life in heaven with him. The Bible says he seats us in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Oh, somebody, tell them what God has done for you. Tell them what God has done for you. All of us in this room who've accepted and received Jesus Christ have something to tell. We have a story to tell. Now, maybe your story isn't real dramatic. Maybe you weren't a drug addict or an alcoholic or a thief or in prison. Maybe you were a good old church kid, but at some point you realized I'm a sinner and I need a savior. Can I tell you that's a powerful testimony to say I was raised in church. I heard the truth of the gospel when I was just a child. I accepted him as my savior and I've lived for him by his power every day of my life. That's a powerful testimony. There's nothing wrong with saying, let me tell you what God has done for me. You know what he's done for me? He saved me when I was seven years old. And because he saved me and came into my life, I was never an alcoholic. I was never a drug addict. I was never a thief. I was never in prison. Oh, come on, tell somebody, help me. Because of what he's done for you, you have a testimony. And then I can look around and I can see people like Doug, who's supposed to be dead. But he's not dead. He's living and he's breathing. 5% heart function. And he went home from the hospital on hospice. Stand up, Doug. Let him see you. And God is doing a great thing in his life. He's ushering. He's serving. Why? Because God has done something for him. Tell them your story. I look around and I see my friend Sam Pate right back there. Stand up, Sam. Sam was in the hospital a few months ago with a severe brain infection. Didn't expect him to recover. Didn't expect him to regain his memory. But I'm here to tell you this morning, the power of Jesus Christ has touched Sam. He's renewed it, restored it. Oh, come on, folks. Tell them. Tell them what God has done. Why are we so shy? 
You know what? When those Oklahoma Sooners are playing football and when they're winning ball games, I tell everybody, especially you FSU fans, I tell everybody, do you understand that we're on the winning side? And our conversation should be marked with the fact we serve a risen Savior. He is victorious over everything. There is no problem you will ever face, but what he has, the solution and the answer, oh, tell them. We get so excited about sports and we forget about God. God help us. Why should we tell them? Because when we tell them, we are partnering with God. We're stepping into his divine plan. We're becoming something, we're buying into something bigger than ourselves. We are leaving a legacy behind us. Do you realize the highest suicide rate in America is among individuals 65 and over? Because we reach the end of life and we look back and there's nothing there. What have we done? What have we accomplished? Who have we influenced? You see, we aren't supposed to die without leaving a legacy. And the greatest legacy you can live, Miss Mary, is bringing those two little grandchildren to church every Sunday and every Wednesday and pouring the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ into their lives so that one day they will accept Him as the Lord and Savior and live for Him all the days of their life. Do you hear what I'm saying? Tell them. Leave a legacy that someone can follow. Leave a legacy. How do we do that? We tell people about Jesus. We see every door and we walk through it. We don't wait. We don't shrink back in fear. We tell them about Jesus. And all you really have to do is tell your story. I've told people for years, you need to put your testimony into an elevator speech. You need to make it about 45 seconds or less. And then if you need to, you push the stop button so you can tell the rest of it. Put your, your story, your testimony, capsulize it so you can say it very quickly and tell people what God has done for you. Oh, it's time to understand this is what God wants us to do. And until we begin to tell people our story, listen to me, I'm going to make a connection here that's going to bless you. Until we begin to tell people our story, God will not receive the ultimate glory that he deserves and we will not live in the place of blessing that he wants us to live. You see, it's when we begin to testify, when we begin to tell him, when we become witnesses to what he's done for us, that we see lives changed and God receives glory. It's when we begin to testify, give him glory and tell people what he's done for us, that we see ourselves stepping to a new arena, into new realms of his blessing, of his favor, of his goodness. Oh, come on, quit living at the back of the bus, move to the front and tell him. Tell them about Jesus. Tell them about Jesus. Ephesians 3.20, the Apostle Paul said it this way, Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or even begin to think. What's he saying? He's saying you're thinking too small. Your dreams are too minimal. Think bigger. Oh, church, I believe every day this place ought to be full. I'm thinking big. You and I need to understand it will be full if we will tell them. Tell them Jesus loves them. Tell them Jesus cares. Tell them Jesus wants to do a good work in their lives. So many say, but pastor, we have a missions committee. We support missionaries around the world. And yes, we do. And yes, we should. 
Pastor, we support Good Samaritan and the Five Center and the Woodlands and Teen Challenge. All these people are telling people about Jesus. Yes, and well, we should. But simply because we support a missionary or a missions organization does not relieve our responsibility to tell the men and the women, the boys and girls that cross our paths what Jesus has done for us. Just because I give it an offering doesn't mean I can buy God off on this command. Jesus said, tell them. You shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and into the uttermost parts of the world. He said, you'll receive power to tell them. You go and tell them. You testify to what I have done for you. Oswald Smith, one of the great missions pastors of the last century, said it this way. Why should anyone... Hear the gospel twice, when so many have never heard it once. Oh, folks, even in America, even in Tallahassee, within a square mile of this church, you will find people who've never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. I promise you, you will. It's rampant in America. It's around the world. You don't have to go to Asia or to Africa to find people who've never heard the redemption story. It's right here in our own backyard. See, and we're responsible for our Jerusalem. This is our Jerusalem, Tallahassee. So tell them, tell them, tell them what God wants to do for them. John chapter 4, the Bible says, it said, there's a lot of people who say, I live in a burned over place. They've all heard. They've all rejected. But John chapter 4 tells us just the opposite. Verse 35, lift up your eyes and look. Under the fields they are white in the harvest. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest field. Oh, somebody, will you allow God to show you the harvest? Will you allow God to use you in the harvest? Will you open your mouth and tell somebody about Jesus Christ? So when we obey this command, we partner with God. Secondly, when we obey this command, we begin believing for the impossible. Do you understand it's impossible to change man without the power of a living God. We cannot reform them. We cannot change them. We can't take the drunk out of the drunkard without Jesus Christ. It requires a spiritual renewal. It requires a new heart and a new mind to bring transformation and change. And that only occurs through the supernatural, through what God can do. Mark chapter 16, a second time when Jesus said to his disciples to go into all the world. This is what he said in verse 15. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. Now verse 17, this is what we hang our hats on in Pentecost. But we get it out of order. We get it convoluted. We turn it around. Because Jesus said, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. You see, the problem is we want the signs without first giving the message. But Jesus made it very clear. When you tell them who I am, when you tell them what I have done, when you tell them how great I am, these signs shall follow those who believe. Oh, there's so many people searching for miracles. You got it backwards. Until we begin to tell them, the miracles will not follow. But when you begin to tell them, 
you can look back and you can see a trail of miracles that testify to the power of God because you got it right and obeyed his command. And because you obeyed his command, then he honors your prayers with power and might and grace and mercy. Tell them, and these signs shall follow those who believe. When we begin to tell them, God takes us to a new arena in our faith. A new arena in our walk. A new arena in the supernatural. To places we've never been because we choose to tell them. Tell them Jesus loves them. Tell them Jesus cares. Tell them it's by his blood that we are forgiven and we are redeemed. Tell them. That's why we go on mission trips. That's why a team just came back from Peru in March. That's why Yvonne and I just came back last week from Peru because somebody has to tell them. Tell them. And the command that Jesus gave us in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 wasn't just to our Jerusalem, was it? No, he said go to Samaria and Judea. And then he really cast the net wide when he said and unto the uttermost parts of the world. You see, he wants us to know that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. And that we have a responsibility not to dictate or determine, listen to me, not to dictate or determine who's worthy of salvation. Every creature, every person, every man, every woman, every boy, every girl needs to hear the message of Jesus Christ. Tell them that he loves them. I'll never forget several years ago, I was in Bangladesh, and I had flown into the city of Chittagong by myself to do a conference with, with uh, all the local churches there in that city. And the pastor, who spoke a little English, met me at the airport and took me to a guest house where I stayed. And then he told the, the chokigar, the guy at the gates, he needs to come to this address at this time, so call a rickshaw. Put him on it, give the rickshaw driver this address, and he will take him. Well, I was just dumb enough to trust him. Okay, that's going to work. I don't speak Bengali, and they don't speak English. I can see an accident waiting to happen, can't you? Sure enough, at 5 o'clock, the rickshaw driver was at the gate. The choker guard gave him the address, and off we went. Now, you need to understand, rickshaws in Bangladesh are peddled with bicycles. And these little guys are about this big around and this tall. And here I am, a great big American, 220 plus pounds. He's not used to that kind of a load. And we're going up and down hills, and the sweat's roar, rolling off of this guy, pouring off of him. Forty minutes later, he just stops. And I'm looking around thinking, I don't see a church anywhere. And he's trying to get me to get out of the rickshaw, and I'm not getting out because I don't know where I'm going. I don't even have the address. And he's continuing to insist, and he gets louder and louder. A crowd begins to gather. You realize Bangladesh is the third largest Muslim nation in the world, right? A crowd begins to gather, and they begin to holler and chant. I had been there enough, and I knew enough Bengali to know they weren't saying nice things about me. And the crowd was working itself into a fever intensity. And I'm thinking, well, God, thank you for sending me to Bangladesh. This will be the day I die. You can just hear that song in your mind, can't you? This will be the day I die. And I'm sitting there, I refuse to get out. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. And all of a sudden, I mean, by this time, the crowd is hundreds of Bengali men. Angry. You can see the anger on their faces. You can hear their voices chanting at me. And through the middle of that crowd walked a little Bengali. Right up to the edge of that rickshaw. And he looked me square in the eye and he said, 
Are you Stephen Dow? As a matter of fact, I am. My name is Philip. Come with me. We were four blocks away from the church. I wouldn't have found it in a lifetime. He led me right to it. Why do I tell you that story? Because in that very service, a mama brought her five-year-old boy who was deaf and dumb, never spoke, couldn't hear. And in a moment's time, God touched that little boy, opened his ears, gave him his speech, and I heard him speak his first words. Why? Because the enemy wants to make sure we don't tell them the kind of God we serve. He said, well, that's a wild story. Well, there's one kind of similar to it in Acts chapter 8. It's a story of the Ethiopian sitting in his chariot reading Isaiah, not understanding what he was saying, and Philip coming and saying, let me explain it to you. That was my Philip. He brought me out of a place of certain destruction into a place where God was honored and God was glorified. It allows us, when we partner with God, to believe for the impossible. And last number three, when we choose to tell someone or tell them, it allows us to invest in the eternal. What did Jesus say in Matthew 5, verses 19 through 21? Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust do corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not corrupt, where thieves do not break through and steal. What's he talking about? He's talking about shifting our vision, shifting our perspective, where eternal things be the driving influence in our hearts and in our lives. Oh, listen to me. Every time I give an emissions offering, I'm laying up treasure in heaven. Every time I bring my tithe and my offerings, I'm laying up some treasure in heaven. Every time I open my mouth and I tell somebody about Jesus, I'm laying up some treasure in heaven. Oh, I'm looking forward to the day when people that I've never met, people that I've never known, will say, because you told my brother, because you told my daddy, because you told my son, I'm standing here today because what you did transposed and carried on to them through to me. Oh, come on, folks. Tell them. It has eternal power. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Because when you begin to tell people and God changes their lives, you know what's going to happen? They're going to tell somebody else. And it multiplies and it multiplies and it multiplies as we see God doing great things in us and through us. You say, well, I just really... I don't have the resources. I can't give. I can't do that stuff. I just don't have it. You need to go back to Psalm 37. Because in Psalm 37, this writer of the Scripture is talking about famine in the land. And he said, in the day of famine, you will be satisfied. You see, you need to understand your source and your resource is not from your job. It's not your bank account. It's not your stock portfolio or lack thereof. Your source and your resource flows from the right hand of God who has already said, I will meet all your need according to my riches and glory. And David went on to say in Psalm 37, I've been old, I've been young, and now I'm old. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. Oh, come on. Step into the promise. Step into the promise. Quit living on the crumbs and step up to the master's table. Start investing in eternity and see what God will do for you. You see, God tells us, tell them. Tell them. Tell them what I've done for them. What did Jesus say his mission was? Why did he come to planet earth? It's recorded very clearly in Luke chapter 4. 
when Jesus opened the scroll of Isaiah and began to read these words. Verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. If that's his responsibility, he passed it on to us, and we are to tell them, tell them, tell them what God has done for you. It allows us to partner with God in eternal realms. And see God do great things in our hearts and in our lives. I met this young man years ago in Bombay. His name is Stephen. He was the induction center director for Teen Challenge in Bombay. He was the guy that when people came off the streets, whether drug addicts, alcoholics, prostitutes, whatever the problem was, he would interview them. And in the course of that interview, you know what he did? He told them. He told them. About 95% of the people who came into that Teen Challenge Center received Jesus across the desk from Stephen telling them. The other 5% maybe a few days later, but they came to know him. I'll never forget Stephen because as a young boy, he was crippled. He couldn't walk. He would drag himself with his arms around the streets of Bombay begging for an offering, asking for somebody to give him enough money just to buy bread. And as it happened, there were many times when he would find himself across the street from this teen challenge center. He would hear singing. He would hear worship. And over the years, he wondered what really goes on in there. Until finally one day, he drug himself up the steps with his arms. And he sat in front of his predecessor in that induction center. And that man told him about Jesus. And he received him as Lord and Savior. And his life was revolutionized. And years later, he himself sat in that seat and told people about Jesus. As the years went by, hundreds of men of God, powerful men of faith came through. And they laid hands on him. They anointed him. They prayed for him. They asked God to heal his legs so he could walk. Never happened. But the smile never left his face from the moment he met Jesus Christ. His life changed. And this is what he said. Anytime somebody said, I don't understand why God doesn't heal you, Stephen. This is what he said. He said, I may not be walking on the outside, but I'm running on the inside. Oh, come on, folks. Get it in your heart. When Jesus changes your heart, he changes everything about you. He revolutionizes you. He restores you. He encourages you. Most of you are familiar with the name of Shaka. He was the chief of the Zulu tribe. Brought the Zulus in South Africa to a place of prominence and rule that they had never known before. He was known for his wisdom, for his intellect. He was really the inventor of psychological warfare. When his warriors went into war, they carried just a short stabbing spear about this long. And a shield. And the guys on the front line would hold their shields up and the guys behind them would put their shields over their heads so they were impenetrable. The arrows, the lances of their enemies would bounce off the shield until they were close enough to drop the shields and then begin to work with the stabbing sword. They conquered South Africa. They ruled it under Shaka's reign. And one time one of his lieutenants decided that he wanted to prove the fallibility of the great Shaka. So he devised a plan. He took a live bird in his hand, and he said, I'm going to go before the great Shaka, and I'm going to ask him 
The bird in my hand, is it alive or is it dead? And if he says it's alive, I'll squeeze it and kill it. Open my hand and it's dead. If he says it's dead, I'll open my hand and it'll fly off alive. And people will see his fallibility that he's not all that great. So the day came, he appeared before the great Shaka. He said, oh, Shaka, you're full of wisdom and intellect and such a great ruler. And I want you to show these people how wonderful you are. I have a bird in my hand. Can you tell me, is this bird alive or is this bird dead? Shaka immediately saw the trap that had been set for him. And this is what he said. He said to that young lieutenant, the power of life and death, it's in your hand. I've come this morning to tell you. The power of life and death, it's in your hand. If you'll open it and tell them, God is going to bring life to those around you. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Tom, please return. See, we need to understand there's power in our hand. There's power in our word. There's power in our witness. I pray God this morning, never, never, never let us get accustomed to the sound of footsteps marching into hell. But Lord, stir our spirits this morning and help us to tell them in Tallahassee, in Florida, in the United States, and around the world. Cause us to tell them. Tell them who you are. Tell them what you've done. Tell them there is no other name but the name of Jesus. Cause us to tell them. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed in this room this morning. You've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You've never allowed Him to forgive you, to cleanse your heart, to change your life, to wash your sins away. You've never done that. But this morning you recognize that is my greatest need. More than I need a meal, more than I need gas in my car, more than I need a job, I need Jesus. That's your greatest need. Right where you sit, will you lift that hand up and say, pray for me. I need Jesus. I need him to forgive me. I need him to come into my life. I need him to cleanse me. That's me. Yes, I see that hand in the riser. It's anyone else. That's me. I need Jesus. I need Jesus to come into my life. Yes, yes, yes. Young men, I see your hands. Others, you'll raise your hand. I need Jesus. As I wait just another moment, you'll raise your hand with these four or five. Say, I need Jesus to come into my life. I want him to change me. I don't want to be the way I am. Anyone else, you'll raise your hand. Those of you with your hands raised, I'm going to ask you to do something bold and brave. Lift your head, look directly at me if you raise your hand. Lift your head, look directly at me. You raised your hand. That's it. Now I want you to do something bold. I want you to stand and meet me right here. And we're going to pray. Come on. You raised your hand. Come on. These four young men. Come on, young lady. God wants to do a work in your life this morning. God wants to do a work in their lives today. Come on, folks. This is what it's all about. About men and women, boys and girls coming to Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. Pastor Daniel, Pastor Chris, Jessica, step up here with me, please. And I want us to lead these folks in prayer. And God's going to touch them. God's going to forgive them. God's going to do a good work in their hearts and in their lives today. Would you pray this prayer with us this morning? Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I can't save myself. Please forgive me. Please wash my sins away. Please change my heart.
I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died for my sins. And I accept you as my Lord and as my Savior. Thank you for hearing my prayer this morning. Thank you for changing my heart today. Thank you for making me new and making me whole this morning. David, would you come? Thank you, Father, for the work that you're doing in the heart of these people. Right now, would you seal with the redemption power of the Holy Spirit the work of salvation that you've started in their lives? Lord, I pray that you wash away the old and bring in the new. Your word says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, all things have become new. Lord, this isn't some little ditty we have just recited. But Lord, it's a prayer of faith, believing that when we pray and ask, you hear and you forgive. Change their lives, Lord. Revolutionize them as you did me and so many others. Do a great work and a deep work in the life of these young people today. We'll praise you, we'll honor you, we'll glorify you, and we'll thank you for it in the name that's above every name. Would all of you just turn and follow David right over here in the blue shirt? He's going to pray with you personally, give you some information. Come on, welcome them into the family this morning. Would you do it? Welcome them into the family. Stand to your feet with me today. You're here this morning and you say, you know, I've been remiss. I've been silent when I should have spoke up. I've let opportunities pass me by. But from day today on, not going to happen again. Every opportunity that's given to me, I'm going to tell them. Every chance I have, I'm going to tell them. I'm going to tell them how wonderful he is, how great he is, how mighty he is. I'm going to tell them what he's done for me. If that's your commitment this morning, would you raise both hands and say, that's me. I'm going to tell them. I'm going to tell them. I'm going to tell them. And now, Father, let the power of the Holy Spirit fall on every individual in this room with arms raised. You said you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and into the uttermost parts of the world. Lord, right now, fill your church with power. Fill us with Holy Ghost power. I bind that spirit of timidity and I pray for power and love and a sound mind to flow into the heart of your church today. Lord, I pray that we never again pass up an opportunity to tell somebody how great you are, how wonderful you are, how wonderful you are. Oh Lord, let us be just like the demonic. Let us go back and tell our city what great things God has done for us. For the power of life and death is in our words this morning. Let us tell them. Let us tell them. Let us tell them. There is no other name but the name of Jesus. No other name but the name of our Lord. No other name but the name of Jesus whereby men can be saved. Help us to tell them. Help us to tell them. In the name of Jesus. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, 
We invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida. A multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com.